Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, here with Keith Myers. And uh, again, this week, we're talking free agency on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, got a lot of stuff prepared today to, to talk about, figure out what the Seahawks are going to do with minimal current cap space, uh, some different strategies, some different players they'll be looking at, who are we going to retain in our own uh, free agency pool, and uh, who might we look at uh, outside of the organization to bring in to, to make us better. Keith, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I was going to say great, but I'm doing good. Um, great, I think, will be tomorrow when I'm um, not a little bit um, feeling. So on Sunday, um, two days ago, I got my second dose of the COVID vaccine, and yesterday was like, miserable. I had like the full immune response craziness and I could barely move and stay awake. And it was like, uh, so hard. And today I feel like 90% better. And so I'm just not quite a hundred percent, but I'm close. And for that, I apologize to everyone. Cause that means you have to listen to me ramble. Like I usually do instead of being quiet, which what would have happened if we, re- we would have recorded yesterday. How many cups of coffee did you have Keith? When today or yesterday? <laughs> Like 10 minutes before the show. Uh, 31. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I'm glad we got the, the shot. That's awesome. Um, that's something that I'm looking forward to for sure. My folks, uh, uh, bless their heart, they're uh, up there in age, and they've been qualified to get the vaccine now since the beginning, basically. And um, they just got their first dose on Sunday. And so uh, they're, they're in in process and uh, I couldn't be happier for those guys because they've been fairly socially isolated through mm-hmm. this entire event and it's, it's been difficult, but uh, they're, they're champs about it. So yep. um, first dose isn't bad. You know, they'll get like, you know, it's like getting a tetanus shot. Your arm. I haven't even talked, I haven't talked to them. Arm gets they, sore they and it's it. a little like, eh, whatever. It's the second shot that really like clobbers. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's not good. It, so hopefully they'll, they'll pull through. And that. actually it is good because that means it's working. Well, that's true. That's true. I've heard varying degrees of like uncomfortableness over the whole thing. Most people do complain about the second one though, Mm -hmm. for sure. Second one's always worse. But you know what? This is not a virus podcast. Last I checked, it's about, um, yeah, let's, let's, you know, let's get right to it. About Seahawks. And so maybe we should talk about that. So first things first, (laughs) well, it ties right into this. Uh, Mike Upati announced officially that he's retiring from uh, the NFL Mm -hmm. after, what, 11 11 years of service, the last couple with the Seahawks. And, um, you know, it it was good when it worked and when he was in there and when he was healthy, he was just, you know, a bulldozer there. And then uh, when he was fighting injury or when they were resting him or when he couldn't make games, you know, it was a bit challenging. So I think... We all kind of knew that, uh, and, and Pete mentioned the upgrading of the offensive line. We all immediately thought that was one of the two uh, spots that they uh, they were talking about. Well, he specifically and, mentioned left guard. Yeah. So yes, we, didn't, we, right. we didn't have to guess. He probably knew. He probably knew that Pot was retiring. Yep. Or way before we did. So, um, yeah, no. So that so you know that confirms 
that will have at least one starter mm-hmm. uh, in 2021 that wasn't on the roster in 2020 or or was on the roster but uh, wasn't wasn't starting full time. I think Simmons has a chance. Uh, Jones has a chance if they bring back um, anybody mm-hmm. um, free agent wise. We'll we'll see, but uh, chances are we're looking outside the team either in the draft or, or free agency. Well, to fill yeah, spot. Jones and Simmons, and then of course if he ever if he manages to be healthy, which we've now had two years of waiting for that to happen, and it hasn't happened. But Haynes would be the third guy on the roster. Well, Posick, you know, Posick struggled for a couple of years to, to have any sort of semblance of consistency regarding health, mm-hmm. and last year he started all six. Well, not everyone. No, he missed one, but one. Yeah, yeah. he missed a, basically 15, missed a game and a half. Um, yeah, 16 games if you include the playoff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was pretty pretty def- decent, serviceable uh, quality from, from Posick. But uh, he's an unrestricted guy this year. Uh, we'll have to see. Let's, um, let's talk defense this time. Last time uh, we got caught up in all sorts of other uh, stuff at the front of the show and uh, didn't have as much time, I think, as we may have wanted to do the offense. So let's get right into defense. Um, and let's start up front in the trenches um, where I think that they could probably stand to, to, to upgrade a little bit. But then I looked at the roster, the actual people returning, and it's not as bad as I thought. It's really you know, bad. we're going to we're going to, you know, depending on what happens to Carlos Dunlap, we could actually be in really fairly decent shape, save maybe a defensive tackle or, or filler or, um, you know, rotational type guys on the defensive end. Cornerback is where I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Corner, you know, corner, if they somehow, if if they trade Adams, um, then they would, they would have to look at, at maybe bringing in a guy at strong safety. Um, but other than that, you know, maybe, maybe a, a linebacker, if KJ Wright leaves, um, if and, it, and it looks like based on his comments uh, yesterday in the media, mm-hmm. where you know he's not going to take a hometown, and nobody expected him to, but uh, he said, "I would like to have a multi-year deal. I'm going to take the best offer available." Is basically what he said, and uh, I don't blame him. No. I think he's totally earned that right. He's never really gone out and tested free agency. I think it's a good thing for him. Good, you know, he's a he's always going to be a Seahawk. But um, he might be chasing the money, and rightly so, uh, in this maybe, you know, last or second-to-last contract. Because I think Seattle would be in a position to give him a two-year deal with really it being a one-year deal. I don't know that Seattle would extend further than that out, well, they, possibly they, even just one year. They might um, give him a two-year deal that's actually a two-year deal, <clears throat> but it would have to be at a value that makes sense for them. And I think one of the things that I... Um, that, What's a value that makes sense to you? Um, like six, <clears throat> six and a half, seven, maybe four and a half. I mean, where are we going to get that money? No, see, here's here's the thing that that would come at the expense of. And we'll talk about it all, but it would come at the expense of something else. Well, because, here's the thing: it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to, because here's the deal: um, this year with the salary cap coming down, the amount of salary cap space around the league is significantly less than it usually is. With the same number of players um, that are have expiring contracts, plus you have a bunch of teams like uh, the Saints, the Packers, a few others that are way over the cap and are going to have to cut people just to get down to where um, the league isn't voiding contracts of star players in order to get them under the cap. 
Um, so you have a situation right. where there's going to be more players um, than typical available and far less money around the league available. And that's going to lead to a lot of tiny contracts. It's the yeah. supply and demand. And so if I was the Seahawks, I wouldn't offer anyone an extension um, that's an, or a new contract that's an unrestricted free agent. Um, I would wait it out because what you're going to find is there's going to be some really good players that are sitting out there late in free agency that are deciding, okay, I'll take a one-year deal for anything just to get on a, on a roster and then turn it around in a year. And when there's money again, um, and, you know, come back out and, and try this again. And I think that what, what you're going to see is the Seahawks are going to be able to go and get a guy like, I don't know, like Yannick um, on the defensive line and then go, wow, we were able to get this star pass rusher for, you know, $5 million because we waited and usually we'd have to pay 15 well, now we can cut Carlos Thunderlap and that's $14 million contract. And way hey, look, now we've got nine extra million to go spend. Right. Um, I saw something out there on uh, Twitter where it said uh, Dunlap was likely to be cut by the Seahawks. And it was under the NFL rumors, Twitter handle. And I don't believe that that's affiliated with the, with the league. And it's so not. I don't know. I don't believe that that's valid. Uh, but it would, it would make a little bit of sense in a financial situation but not a player situation and if we lose carlos dunlap we're going to have to replace that player now whether that comes with daryl taylor or not the team can't really count on that mm -hmm. at this point no they, he's never played in the game he has zero nfl snaps now they know they're going to get something from him but you're not going to get a star player my point is you don't need to pay a defensive end 14 million this year to get that star player because of the way the cap is and because of the way just supply and demand across the league is, you're going to be able to cut um, Dunlap, uh, save that $14 million against the cap, and then find a comparable player for significantly less if you're willing to. If you're lucky, Keith. You don't have you to. Know, if you're, you if don't you're even lucky. have to be lucky. I mean, we had to be lucky to get Carlos Dunlap. I mean, we've tried, you know, we... It's, Clowney was it's, was supposed to be that guy, and he just you know it, it, injuries it's, sucked the life out of him. It's gonna be it, this year is gonna be different. It's it, it's not. The I same agree. Thing. Well, let's talk about it. So uh, before we have the general conversation about our our players and free agents and starting on the defensive line, defensive tackle, let's talk about the teams that do have cap space. So there's um, there's like uh, one two. There's three, fifteen teams. There's that are five the teams that have about forty million and above. True. Now all those teams are going to be able to play free agency like it was normal. True, but and that's... they're going to be the first ones out of the gate signing anybody that's premier at all. Um, and and premier guys are still going to get paid for the most part. There there's a there's a ledge. We just don't know where that ledge is going to be yet, and and the timing of it. Like how long is it going to take mm -hmm. for those teams at the top to spend their money on premier guys and have the secondary market start opening up and part of that secondary market will include players that would never been available uh, at, 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 at what they'll be signed at in general. Yeah. So you're talking about take the top, um, you know, two or three guys at each position and go, okay, th those guys probably won't last long enough, but then everybody else that's available is going to see a massively depressed market. And I, ha yes. I hate to tell KJ right this, but that he's one of those guys. 
Yes. He is not going to see the seven, eight. Well, million. he's a linebacker. So that's, that's a, true. a knock. He's not going to see the seven, eight million dollars that he made this last year. It's and he's 30, he'll be 32. Yeah. He's older. He's got an injury history and he's, yes. um, he's a linebacker, which isn't a valued position. And now you're talking about, um, going into a market where most of the teams that would want a guy like him can't afford him. They don't, they don't have any cap room whatsoever. Like they're over the cap. So they've got to cut guys just to get under. Um, They don't have any, any flexibility to go sign anyone. And so he's going to go out there. You're going to cut a guy just like KJ Wright to make room for KJ Wright. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of, a lot of sense. And so what you're going to see is he's going to go out there and he's not going to find what he wants. So you're saying that um, not only is the market going to be depressed, but this thing is going to last a lot longer than usual. It is. So they'll they'll still finish up before the draft, but you'll still be seeing this market play out well into April. I think so. I think we we, um, we may see it play out through the draft and after the draft, um, which if you're one of the players, yes. if you're one of the players, do not wait until after the draft because that's just dumb. Um, yes, because what happens is uh, all those players get drafted and a bunch of roster spots get filled and your market goes way down. Because teams that would have signed you now don't need you because they drafted a, a linebacker. Um, well, and your pool of, of potential uh, suitors is is really low at that point. Yeah, and so I mean, there's only going to be a handful of teams that have any money left at that point. Yeah, so and so what you end up with it it, it will. But there, like this last year, uh, Clowney waited until training camp. Yeah. How sign. many players do you believe are going to exit this entire situation unemployed? through the 2021 season or, or at least through training camp? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, because I, I see it normal. eliminating the, the bottom half, the bottom tier of the middle class of NFL free agents. So players that are making 3 million and under, mm-hmm. those guys are going to have a hard time. Those guys aren't going to Be- get work. Because, because you, could, you could replace those guys with quote unquote practice squad level guys at making 500 700 or five yeah 550 because if they're undrafted that's about what they get their, their rookie year um and so yeah you're, you're talking about saving you know three million dollars per player by so this this see this is what i was arguing about with the, with the whole cap and the league deciding that instead of uh 198 and trying to keep it at that level that it's gonna it was at 175 that was the floor they've raised the floor quote unquote to 180 likely might be maybe inch up Beyond I've that, heard, slightly. I've heard the floor is now 183. That, okay, so 180, so. 183, 185. Um, it's still 15 grand, you know, below where it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, what it's going to do is it's going to eliminate a certain class of player that's overall, when you take a look at the entire NFL, is going to create a talent deficit in the NFL. Uh, that will never be able to to be recouped. I mean, it'll take two or three years to cycle through because, you know, but um, so you'll have a, this year will affect the talent in the league for two or three years to come. Some of those players will never play again. Well, and the thing is that if teams and those players are smart, what they'll do is they'll take, they're like, oh, we want this player who normally would make three and a half million, but we, we're not going to do that. So we're going to sign them to um, an, an MSB deal, right? MSD is, means minimum salary benefit. And what that does is it gives you the right to sign a, um, a player um, at whatever the minimum is for their years of service. 
Um, and with the, it's got a maximum signing bonus for whatever it is, but it's, and it's usually small. It's like uh, 50 grand or 100 grand, depending on the number of years. But they count the same against the salary cap as a second year player. So if you sign a veteran and you have to pay them 1.2 million, um, because that's the minimum uh, for that, uh, for that, uh, their service time, they're still only going to count 720,000, um, against the cap because that's what a second year player does. And I think you're going to see way more MSB contracts this year than we've ever seen in the past because that'll get, because you got to fill out your roster. You got to fill out your roster and it gives you an opportunity to sign veteran players, experienced players and talented players rather than just grabbing and having a roster full of undrafted free agents. All right, so let's talk about free agency. Uh, last week we did the offense. This week we're going to do the defense. Let's start with Jaron Reed. Uh, let's start with our own guys really quick. Uh, we got Jaron Reed, defensive tackle. He's going to be um, – he's not uh, – what I, what I want to do is I wanted to go over the roster and who's going to be unrestricted, who's, who's going to be on the roster so we kind of know what we need. Jaron Reed's got one year left on his deal, 13.975. Seems a little high. <laughs> to be spending on Jaron Reed. Maybe they uh, readjust. That's That might be a, a contract they have earmarked to, to adjust. Puna Ford's a restricted free agent. I wanted to go over this information really quick, too, just so everyone knew. The first-round tender this year is is uh, scheduled to be at $4.76 million. The second-round tender is $3.38. Uh, right of first refusal tender, which is the original round, is two point one three. He was undrafted, so that, that would be that. Uh, I... I'm leaning towards the second round tender on this. He'll get that. He'll get the um, second round tender. Yeah. Okay. So we're in agreement on that. And the, the, the crazy thing, Keith, is he was, um, he was paid as the 250th out of 253rd interior defensive lineman uh, in 2020 <laughs> and gave you, according to the OTC valuation in 2020, he should have made $9.286 million. So I think the Seahawks got pretty good value out they of it. They did. And the thing is that, so that was what he got paid by the Seahawks, but the NFL has a program that fixes some of that. So they take players that are late round picks that are playing way above their, um, their draft status um, and gets them some extra money. Um, and that was one of the things that happened when they locked in everyone at certain contract values and said that players wouldn't become a free agent until after their fourth year. Um, and one of the things they had to do in order to get the union to agree to that was to come up with this program that uh, takes the players that outperform their contract significantly that are in their first few years um, of the rookie deal and give them some extra money. And Puna Ford was a... Um, large benefactor of that particular program this year. And then Brian Monet, uh, defensive tackle kind of came on a little bit. Um, he went in 2019, an undrafted guy that came on. Um, so he's on the roster and then they've got a couple future guys, uh, miles Adams and Cedric Lattimore. Um, and so they could bring back like a Jonathan Bullard or Demontre Moore guys that could, play three tech um, that could move inside. Those guys are listed on the roster as defensive ends. We'll talk about those guys in a minute. Um, so you could pad the roster. There's, there's a couple guys that kind of fill that three tech stuff, but Puna is really the only guy. And Brian uh, Monet that can play, you know, the nose or inside for you. Both those guys can um, play the nose. 
Um, and the thing is, do you think that the team would look at it in free agency for for a guy? They you know they lost Harrison, uh, you know, towards the back uh, third of the of the season. Are we missing a, a player there, or do we just need to, based on the 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 money that's available and the draft capital? Do you think we just need to fill a spot, a rotation kind of back end of the roster thing? Well, I mean, it depends on what happens with Reed because Reed um, is a guy that has been a starter for years and had a couple, had a really good year in 2018 and a really kind of off year in 2019 and then had an up and down year or we should say a down and up year because he was really ineffective early in 2020 and then came on and played, played well down the stretch. Um, What happens with him? Because, Without him in the mix, now you've got one guy who's good in in Ford, one guy who we believe is up and coming in Monet, and nothing else. Um, and so you have to add. You have to. And add. you've got Ford and Reed essentially on contract years. Yeah, and and, and so you have to add a. Um, you have to add depth, anyways. You have to have someone in the rotation. You can't just have those two guys. So if Reed ends up disappearing off the roster because of um, salary cap you know, concerns, you absolutely have to add someone. If he doesn't, and they figure out some way that he stays on the roster, which I have a hard time seeing that happening, um, then that gives them a lot more flexibility. And they may go into the year like they did this last year. And that's with those three guys as your primary guys. And then looking to see if a young guy steps up um, to take that fourth spot. Now, nobody stepped up this last year. And so they went with um, getting uh, Harrison and they had to bring him in. They had to wait for him to get in shape. Um, and then... And really didn't offer too much. He didn't... I mean, he wasn't He wasn't bad. He was... But he, he did his job, which is to eat but they, blocks. But they picked Brian Monet over Harrison at the in the end. Yeah, they did. Because Monet was, had, had been playing better before his injury. And Monet was... He was just playing really well. And so they ended up being like, no, we're going to... And then um, Harrison was like, well, if I'm not going to play, I don't want to be a healthy scratch. So cut me. You know, I think, I think Juron Reed is a valuable asset to the team. I don't, he's not a building block per se, but that loss I think would be a pretty sizable hole to, to try to fill. Um, You know, I, I think he's worth like eight or $9 million a year, not almost 14. You know, uh, when they gave him that contract, I thought it was elevated, kind of odd a little bit. That was a, very large two-year extension to give to a player that you were basically just trying to figure out if he was going to be consistent or not. Yeah. I, so I, that was kind of an odd contract, but, um, but, but here we are and, and it's a big cap hit. Um, and he's got $5 million of dead money. So, I mean, we could save close to 9 million if Jerron Reed was traded or, or released. I just don't know that he would be released. I, I would think that he'd have some value, uh, out there. Um, and I would look for a fifth round pick, you know, something like that. Um, well, and especially if in you're this, lucky, you could get you, you could get a fourth or something. But so he's that's it. he's um he's he's basically a fourteen million dollar cap number for yeah. Seattle. But any team that accepts him only takes on, um, you the know, non dead. Yeah, money. so it's it's eight point three two five. Right. Um, and that's actually, right. that's actually a good number for him and his talent and production. I agree. And I so agree. That's why he's a tradable asset. I think he is a tradable asset because they're not, you're not taking on, if you're another team, you're not taking on a $14 million um, defensive tackle. Um, you're taking on an $8.3 million defensive tackle. And you're like, Which yeah. Which is perfectly suitable for, for his uh, um, production. Yeah. And so that's, that's, a, that's a valuable contract for them. Um, and so it's worth more to another team than it is Seattle. And so I could see him being traded, but in this year, 
when contracts are going to be lower. And you the could, trade market is going to be so screwed up. Yeah. And so getting a fifth round pick, I think, would be fine. Like that, I mean, for a player of his talent, you'd think that you'd be like, okay, maybe we can get a four, maybe we can get a three. Exactly. Um, but no, this year you're going to get a five or a six. And I think that's going to be um, as far as you can, you know, as far as you can expect as far as this year. But okay. see, I think that in lieu of dropping back from 56 to say 62 or 65 or 70 in the draft, if you could pick up a fifth round pick, for Reed, maybe Schneider doesn't trade back and we end up with a higher quality, maybe an, uh, an impact starter kind of a guy mm-hmm. at 56 that you normally might not find at 70 or 75 or whatever. You might have picked up a fourth rounder and a, a fifth rounder or a fourth and sixth by moving back, but at what cost? So, uh, okay, I know it would be the cost of Jerron Reed, but is there anybody else on the roster that could take his spot? I don't think so. You'd have to go out. Let's look at some free agents that might be available and, and keep in mind uh, the, the, the zero tech, the one tech spot two with Puna Ford on a contract year. Um, now this may not be the year that you look ahead so much on the, on your roster. You might be playing for this year because it's, it is kind of so screwed up and next year's uh, contract situation is much better, but um, there's guys out there, you know, top of the line guys, we're just not going to be able to get those guys at all. I, there's no reason to, to even look at like the Shelby Harris's or the JJ Watts, Leonard Williams, um, all short. that kind of stuff. They might try like a, a Tyrone Crawford kind of a guy. He's older, mm-hmm. like a 31 year old that's coming off of a fairly decent contract, like a four mil, uh, $40 million four year deal. But now he's more of like a four or five million dollar player, and so a guy like that could could come in and, um, you know, he's a he's a good good guy. He's kind of a three tech guy. Can get uh, can can push the pocket a little bit. I think six three or six four two ninety something like that. Um, back in the day, ran like a four eight nine forty. But he's thirty one years old now. He's he'd be a perfectly suitable guy to to come in and maybe take Reed's place for a season. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a good, um, that's a good name to, to throw in there. I was thinking like, Ooh, he could, if we could go get a guy like Jonathan Hankins who played with the Raiders, mm-hmm. um, cause he's 28 only, years old he's a too. little younger. Yeah. Um, yeah. but he's also going to cost a little more because he's a little younger. And I think he might be one of those guys that, that. So is he a guy that pushes the pocket or is he just a run stuffer guy? Uh, I mean, a, 320 pounds. I mean, he's, he's, he's kind of a do it all thing. He's not a great pass rusher, but he's not a bad pass rusher. Um, He's kind I was of, thinking Sheldon Rankins too. He's kind of like, guy. you know, John Reed. Um, yeah, no, that's right. If you absolutely, if you really want to go after um, a pass rusher, a guy that can really get after the quarterback from the inside, um, and you're gonna you're gonna make the switch. Um, uh, Derek Wolf, who's played with the uh, the Ravens last year, played with the Denver Broncos before, is a guy that gets after the quarterback. He's a guy that that is. Um, maybe not as strong against the run, but man, does he generate pressure up the middle. And that would be a guy, he's 31, um, coming off a pretty good year. And when he played like 60% of the snaps for the, um, for the Ravens, I think that, uh, that's something that the Seahawks might consider because I don't think at that age, he's going to get a big contract. So he's going to be out there a little longer. And you're like, Hey, if we can bring him in for, let's say $4 million on a one year deal, trade Reed. Um, and his eight point three million dollars salary, and save, you know, four point three, and basically right. you switch from a, um, you you switch 
to, from a guy that kind of does everything okay um, to a guy who really rushes the passer well. Um, that's not a bad yeah, and he and, and, you know, they play a similar amount of snaps, too. I mean, Wolf was playing like 60% of the snaps. Last year he made $3 million on a, on a, on a deal. Um, you know, yeah, we might even be able to get him for less. Who knows? I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, that's – that's a guy out there that that would be suitable as well. Malik Collins, six two three zero eight, kind of fills that role. He's twenty six years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably get him on a on a three million dollar deal. Uh, Daquan Jones is more of a run stopper out there, more of a Puna Ford type, but he's six four three twenty two. So he doesn't he doesn't look like Puna Ford. Um, <laughs> six four. Versus yeah, five, he ran a five. five he ran a five three five forty uh, at the at the combine. So. But he's a guy that's going to probably going to cost you know five six million dollars. It really depends on the market. It's hard to estimate some of these contracts, and we might be throwing out numbers now. That that's these are under normal circumstances. You know, the further you go into free agency, and the longer these folks last, that those dollars are just going to really shrink up. It's just going to be kind of crazy. Um, how about defensive end? Um, Seattle's roster currently, or, or I'll I'll point to twenty twenty roster and I'll list the unrestricted guys as well. Jonathan Bullard, unrestricted. Demonte Moore, unrestricted. We got LJ Collier's got two years left on his deal as a five tech. Rasheem Green, same thing, one year. Um, Brandon Jackson's unrestricted, knocked out in a in a preseason scrimmage game, literally knocked out um, with with a major concussion. And it's I, I've heard that he's unlikely to return to football because he has the same basic neck injury that um that Chandler and Avril have um yeah, yeah. so cam, they're advising him to not play anymore yeah can i i that's i've heard the same thing that it, that cam chancellor's come out and been like nah dude like i tried for 2 years to get this get this right he's like it's not you know don't do it don't risk your family and all of that and so i could see that I mean, he was never, yeah. he was just, he was a rotational back of the roster guy anyway. And, and so, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't even want to say, that. but yes, he was. He was, you know, regardless of injury, he was not going to be back on the roster because he just wasn't that good mm-hmm. at what he was supposed to be doing. All right. Carlos Dunlap, well, he's got a year of unguaranteed money at $14.03 million sitting there. The team adjusted his salary during the year so that they could fit him under the cap and, made him basically uh, unguaranteed this year so that he would either be restructured or released um, so that he could go out and test free agency. And I'm not exactly sure what the team intends to do. Uh, he's got 87 and a half career sacks. He's got 500 tackles. He's got 60 pass deflections. We all saw with our own eyes when he came in and made – uh, that defensive line respectable mm-hmm. for the first time in the season and for the first time in a, in a year um, or two. And um, I'd hate to lose him because the impact was so obvious, but at that number, it's almost unattainable to, to keep him on the roster without having that thing adjusted one way or another, because something has got to give. And, and there are three or four contracts on this team where that's where it's got to give. Like it's Carlos Dunlap, it's Jamal Adams, it's you know Russell Bobby Wilson, Wagner, Dwayne Dwayne Brown have have some money there. So, uh, what do you do with Carlos Dunlap, Keith? If, um, if, if honestly, you're the team? I think that you cut him and let him test the market, 
and then you sit back and wait. Wow. Um, and, and, and you wait because look at, look at what is available. And we're going to be talking about this a lot right? this year. Like the um, patience factor is going to be critical, but look at what's available. Like let me just read off the top, um, like seven names, Matt Judon, Melvin Ingram, Shaq Barrett, Bud Dupree, Jadavian Clowney, Yannick. I can't pronounce his last yeah, name. I know, but Ryan all those guys Kerrigan, are going to be Justin just Houston. as expensive as Dunlap. No, they're not. Well, you got to go to the second tier. Who, don't you? Who, how there, you said it yourself. There's four teams in the NFL that have the the money to go spend on elite players. Well, four. I mean, there's there's ten teams overall that have over fifteen million dollars in cap. True, which doesn't give them to go spend money. On, Correct. On elite, yeah, there's on only elite four players. four teams that have over thirty million dollars. Yeah. So and two of those have forty five million and more, sixty million. Yeah. But so the Jaguars are going to go sign a couple of those right. guys and the Jets right. are going to go exactly. sign a couple of those guys. And there's still going to be a bunch of guys left that are oh, going to, totally. that are going to be surprised. That I mean, look no at the market. safety, look at the safeties alone we'll get, are going to eat. Yeah. We'll, get, we'll talk about the safety we'll group. It's crazy. But I'm so, just saying, okay. you just look at that list. There is more good talent in that list of the top well, seven or well, eight guys. I'm than not even money to be spent. on. I know. Uh, I, I know. And to further illustrate your point, that just pushes down the guys that are second tier into our into our range e- even more mm-hmm. because some of those first tier guys aren't going to get paid, and so if if one or two of those first tier guys, legit first tier guys, can't get a can't get paid, uh, the second tier guys are going to look awfully attractive, and they're going to their prices are going to bottom out. Like, like what guys that normally would have been you know, in the second tier market would have been seven or $8 million are now four or five Three. and they're taking one year deals because they can't, yeah. they and don't the, want, they can't sacrifice, and you the, know, two or three the years. Benson Mayoas who, who made um, 3 million last year are, if they get a contract out of a at job. all, it will be as a um, MSB contract, a league minimum. Yeah. That is crazy. You know, Seattle, I mean, uh, bad for the players. And we'll, we'll, there'll be a long conversation about all this, but uh, good for the Seahawks. Yeah. Because I think the Seahawks will be able to play in that market. Um, yeah. After, and, after a few and adjustments. And that's why I was saying, if you, you go ahead and you cut um, Dunlap, you add Dunlap's name to that list I already gave you. Again, I just, he's such a good cultural fit and he loves to be here. It's just such a sad deal. I just so, wish that there was a way. Um, I mean, couldn't, isn't the alternative to, to see if he'll take uh, a pay cut. I mean, yeah, you um, have to ask. And, you have and to, ask. to uh, extend him with with a, uh, instead of, you know, he's not going to make 14. He, he's not going to make 14 from anybody. Mm-hmm. What what he he's really a $8 million guy. So, you know, seven to $8 million. That's where he should be at. So if the Seahawks went in with a three-year, $21 million deal, but guarantee like 10, Mm-hmm. Carlos Dunlap would take some guaranteed money. I think that would make a huge difference in, in so you void, that sort of a deal. You void this $14 million a year. Yes. And you give him a three-year deal, 21, and his yes. cap number this year drops from 14 to 5 because the yes. bonus gets That's exactly out. what I'm saying. And so then you gain $9 million and you keep the guy. That's what I would try to do first. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I, w- I would. That would be... Those kind of deals make so much sense to us. We're not the ones being asked to leave money on the table. 
true. Players, but I don't know that, that. I don't know that Carlos Dunlap is leaving money on the table because he's not. The team would either cut him, or trade him, or restructure. Those are the three choices. Mm-hmm. He's not going to play on that under a fourteen million dollar one year unguaranteed deal, and he won't get it from anyone else either. That's yeah. that's the now, key. He. It's one thing to be like, you're not going to play into this contract. Okay, well, and I want to ask you me, about Let this. me go into the open market and I'll yeah. make the same money from someone else. Okay. I wanted to ask you about this because guys like Joe Fan out there, and, and I love Joe, uh, guys like uh, Duger are, are out there and and totally counter to what I just said. Like, you know, it makes no sense for Carlos Dunlap to rah, 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 and, you know, he needs he's a good player and look what he did. And uh, yeah, he did that. Last year, he, he was very helpful. Thank you very much. He's still not a $14 million player. Last year, Seahawks played, paid him $2 million to come and play for him. That was an exceptional value. Now they're doing him a service by putting all of his money in unguaranteed so that they can make a decision. They didn't do this without you know, a long conversation about what they were really intending to do. Mm-hmm. And they're really intending to restructure or release so that he can go out and test and test the market, which was his request and, um, and, or resign him, you know? And so I, I just, I don't know. It just doesn't, it's not going to stay this way. This is, this is an inflection point on the roster and you have to use that money. That money has to be used for maximum benefit because there's not a lot of it to go around. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Seahawks are in a spot. They have 4 million in cap room. That's it. Um, they have one and a half million in usable cap room because the rest of it has to be reserved for, you know, the practice squad and rookies and that kind of stuff. Um, that isn't even enough to to tender Puna Ford. No, it's not. Let's just be real. Yeah, and so they they have to do something. So to say, oh, I don't want to do that. We don't want to lose him. Then where are you getting your cap room for him? Yeah. Well, then you're cutting Dwayne Brown. You want to cut Dwayne Brown? You want to cut your left tackle? No, I don't want to cut Dwayne Brown. Well, do you want to trade Russell Wilson? Oh, no, absolutely not. What do about Bobby Wagner? Do you want Bobby to Wagner. him? Exactly. So the money or has Jerron to, Reed or whatever. The money has to come from somewhere. I think right. um, if you can find a suitor for Jerron Reed for a fifth or a sixth round pick, you do that because you save yourself $8 million. I think you offer um, Carlos Dunlap a, t- a deal like what you were talking about. Um drop his cap number way down, push some money out, give him a couple of years and some guaranteed money that he currently doesn't have. Exactly. Um, that's, that's the key right there. And, and give him some like, you know, uh, security going forward. Um, and it's a short enough deal where he can go out again. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, offer him that or just say, what do you want? You know, if, if we, um, if we're going to void this year, do, we, we, do you want a three year deal or do you want a two year deal? So that way um, you can test it when you're a year younger. Whatever, um, and but, the cap goes up to two hundred and fifty million by then, and there's a lot more money to be played. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, go ahead and 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 you know, just figure out what what find a find a central point for them. And if he says no, I'm I, I would rather test the market than to take what you're offering. Then you have to cut him. Yeah, you have to well, get that fourteen just, million. Just and just so everybody understands, we're not crazy here. Um, over the cap valuation on Carlos Dunlap is. Five point six million dollars. Yeah, I have a hard time with that I'm just one saying. because of of the situation and what the way it went down in Cincinnati. His production does not match his talent. 
during his time in Cincinnati, and since that was a chunk of the season. Yes. If you look at just his um, Seattle numbers and you project them out over the same number of games, his value would be much higher. So, um, But he is 32, mm-hmm. and we all know that at some point the cliff happens to, to players, and it's without warning. Some player wakes up one day, he comes to work, all of a sudden he can't get to the quarterback anymore. He gets injured, nicked up more. He's slower, you know, all that kind of stuff. That can happen to guys that are 32 years old, especially pass rushers. Pass rushers usually can stick around a little bit, but they do offer diminishing returns over time, and so you've got to be careful with this sort of a contract. Okay, uh, Ben Samoa, you you mentioned unrestricted free agent. I think that would be a great uh, bargain situation to to sign in you know mid April to to fill out your roster right before the draft, so you know you have your bases covered. Uh, Alton Robinson came on last year. He's got three years left on his deal. He's not going anywhere. Four years uh, for Daryl Taylor. He failed to accrue a season last year, so we still have him on a four-year deal. Um, and we'll see where he's at. He practiced with the team at the end, um, and signs are pointing up, but we've got a full offseason to get through with very little news. It's probably going to come out, and we'll see where we're at when camp arrives in July. So the, the, the second-tier market is the market I was kind of looking at. Um, you mentioned all those front-tier guys. I don't know that we're necessarily hunting for no, those type I don't of guys, unless hunting. we had a big, huge trade and we off, we had a, a huge influx of cash, I, those guys are going to be off the market, swept up by teams that can actually afford I to think, pay them. Well, the, the, my thought with, with the reason for mentioning them was yes, they're but they're going to eat the entire defensive end market money, yes, and leave nothing that's correct. Else. And the other alternative is if any of those guys end up hanging out there a little bit longer, you might be able to get a guy like Yannick or, um, you know, Ingram for four or five million on a one-year deal and then yes. and then you cut uh dunlap and you save 10 million against the cap you might have an end up having to tie, entice them in with with a two-year deal with a ton of bonus money up front so that it's you know they're essentially playing on a one-year deal but they're getting lots of money yeah regardless um, okay, so in the secondary market, there's a couple of guys at the top that are kind of mixed in a little bit with the strong linebacker spot. Hassan Reddick had a great year with Arizona. Arizona elected not to use their fifth uh, uh, year option on him. He was a first round pick um, early on. Had, they had a misfit time with him. They had a hard time figuring out where he belonged. And, um, and, it, and it turns out he ends up being a strong side linebacker, which is really where he should have been the entire time. He played 80% of the snaps last year, 6'1", 235. He's 26 years old. Um, he can rush the pass. He's kind of like a Bruce Irvin kind he of is, guy. He um, is a younger Bruce Irvin. He is, yeah. uh, I mean, he is what Bruce Irvin was when he left Seattle. Um, about, yeah. about the same age, same skill set, same position. Um, if they could get him... Check that this stat line out for 2020. 12 and a half sacks, 63 tackles, six forced fumbles, four pass defenses, and nine tackles for loss. Like he played out of his mind. Once he was in the right spot, he was a great player in college. Mm-hmm. And um, he would be an outstanding get, especially if we lost KJ Wright. Uh, you could move Brooks over. Um, you know, you keep Brooks at the weak side Which is and you could bring a guy like Hassan Reddick in. And that would really take the place of like a Carlos Dunlap as far as production, um, rushing the passer as well. Yeah, I mean, you take you, a guy like Rasheem Green or 
uh, Collier off the field on on third downs and have uh, Hassan Reddick come up mm-hmm. uh, and and play that and bring in a safety. Um, that would be an ideal situation. Yeah, so he would play uh, outside linebacker um, in your base defense, and when you go to your nickel or your dime, he comes up the defensive end, and you pull out one of your your bigger, uh, you know, run stuffing defensive ends like Collier. Um, it would make perfect yes, sense. Exactly, and it's the same thing they did with Bruce Irvin when he was here, and what they were right. planned to do this year with Bruce Irvin, and but he got hurt. Um, I'd love that uh, in the same. Um, the same idea, the same mold, but a little bit older. Um, Leonard Floyd coming, yes. coming in from the Rams. He freaking dominated Seattle. Yeah, I think he earned a big, huge payday. I don't know if we can afford him. I mean, Hassan Reddick did too, but he's only got one year of real good production. Uh, I think Rashan, uh, Hassan Reddick is still probably going to get paid. I mean, but he's like an $8 million guy. I think Leonard Floyd's probably going to end up getting like 12. 13 or whatever. Um, another guy in the same mold that's a little younger is the, is uh, Tyus Bowser, uh, 6'3", 242, age 25 from Baltimore. He's he's probably in the four and a half million range. He's he's kind of got a similar skill set. Um, more traditional guys, uh, Terrell Basham, 6'4", 269, ran a 4'7", So Pete likes speed from the defensive end. That's pretty good speed for that size. Third round pick in 2017. Um Dwayne Smoot, you know, Dwayne had, uh, I liked him in the draft. He was injured a little bit this last year, um, but he's kind of a base defensive end, five tech kind of a guy. Um, uh, Romeo Aquara, that 26-year-old, um, he'd be a good good guy out there as well. Carl Lawson, um, I think it was uh, uh, Dunlop's uh, defensive end mate. Uh, out of Cincinnati, that mm-hmm. guy might be an interesting guy. I don't know. I mean, there's not a, a lot of names after that. There's not a lot of need. I mean, especially if if Dunlop stays and we've got Collier and and Green on one side, you've got Alton Robinson and Taylor on the other, and you've got Dunlop kind of playing all over the place. Um, you really only probably need a, you know a filler guy in yeah. there, a guy that they might be able to get in the, either late rounds or just uh, get a guy like Benson Mayo come in on a big discount at the end of free agency. So I'm not too worried about uh, the defensive line overall that we just talked about. It's pretty solid, really. Yeah, I, and I, I think that you're going to see them wait. I, I really think that's the thing. You're going to see them sit back and wait, and um, uh, except for the Carlos Dunlap situation, which is which has to work itself out. He'll either be cut or be extended at a discount and they'll figure it out. But other than that, you're going to see them just kind of wait this out because some there's, there's way more talent than there is money. Um, and so there's going to be some really cheap gets. And that was how one of the ways that Seahawks beat or built their contender um, in 2013, 2014 was Avril and uh, Bennett both came in at yeah. the low market value, not because they wanted to, or they wanted, they just waited out the market and both those guys were like, there's no money left. And so they took a deal and the Seahawks were the benefits of it. And I think you're going to see something similar. You're going to see guys um, wait out the market and then you're going to see you know, Dwayne Smoot um, signed for way less than you think he's going to, or, um, you know, 
Tyus Bowser is going to, you know, yeah, right. you're, exactly. you're going to get guys in that are going to add to the mix for rather cheap. And I think that this is something that's going to happen at every position. I think it's going to happen more at, at pass rusher than we think because there's simply so many names. Well, and those guys typically are the guys that get paid. I mean, you're going to pay your defensive ends, your pass rush specialists, your offensive tackles, your you know wide receivers, your premier corners, and everyone else is after that. Mm-hmm. And and so with so little money overall, really, to pay um, way more folks that really deserve the contracts that have been getting those type of contracts, um, it's just going to shove everything down. It's it's going to be. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be sad and it's going to be opportunistic. You know, if you just look at it from a business perspective. Um, So let's talk about linebackers and safeties. Uh, We had uh, Rob Staten on the show a couple weeks back who talked about the investment that Seattle uh, Seattle has made at the linebacker and safety position uh, over the last couple of years. And it's been pretty intense. I mean, Bobby Wagner's getting 17 this year. He's going to make 20 next year. KJ Wright had a decent contract this last year. I think he had an $11 million cap hit. Um, I'm surprised that he, I, I'm still surprised that they paid him um, yeah. all of that because of. I am too. I mean, we thought for sure that he was a cut candidate room. at the beginning of the Yeah. And he was coming off a bad year and they were like, no, we're going to keep him around. And I'm like, cool. And they got. They got value from him, even at that higher number. He had a great year. And I don't want to say no, he that had he a didn't. great year. He was the seventh-ranked uh, linebacker in the league. But I'm still surprised that they that he played under that contract and that he, that he wasn't either cut or... I bet you it was right there. I mean, that, to me, that was it was a little odd that they did, actually. I was surprised. I thought for sure he'd either be cut or it would be... He, he, he would sign on for another year and they would blend that thing a little bit. So um, KJ Wright's unrestricted. You know, this is the first time that he's had an op- uh, opportunity to go look at free agency, test free agency, find out his value. He was on the radio the other day, said that, you know, I'm not, I don't want to take a hometown discount. And this is why, because I produce on the field. It's what I do on the football field that, that counts. I need to be paid like, like a, a premier uh, linebacker with a Super Bowl ring and, and uh, all the experience that I bring. And uh, damn right. I mean, he's earned it. And I, I, I wish him the best, whether it's with the Seahawks or with somebody else. I just don't think the Seahawks are going to go up and pay him where I think that he wants to be paid. And we'll talk about his market in, in a second. But if he wants to be paid, you know, $10, $11 million again, just like the last couple of years, uh, it's going to be different this time. Because even though his production, he's been able to be consistent on the field. I think he played every game in the last couple of years. Um, as opposed to the, the, the couple of years prior where he had all the knee issues and so forth. I think one year he played four games mm. or yeah, four in four games. Um, he's 32. Um, I, you know, I think that Seattle would be willing to pay him if they could afford it and, and that's to be determined, but if they could afford it, I think they would go as high as six or seven for KJ, uh, and give him a two year deal, you know, $14 million with six guaranteed, something like that. Um, but I, I I agree with Rob that you've got to start shifting some resources from the linebacker spot. You've you've drafted Brooks in the first round the year prior, Cody Barton uh, the year before that in the third round. You moved up to get him. Um, you need to start creating a youth movement here and getting these dollars down. Bobby's still going to be there. He's your quarterback of the defense. 
it, it we've talked about maybe it makes sense to to move him or move on from some of that that cap uh, money, but uh, you you can't fill the leadership the the, the uh, production on the field at least right away with with uh, sending Bobby out and what are you going to get in return you know so. And then Jordan Brooks going to be here for for a while. Cody Barton still got two years. Ben Burkirvan, special teams guy, uh, he still got two years. Uh, Bruce Irvin still, you know, he was on the roster. He obviously got the ACL. Uh, he's unrestricted this year. He's a guy actually that if he rehabbed correctly and and he's uh, all good to go, um, you're not going to give him five or six million dollars like the Seahawks did in 2020 to come back you're going to look at a veteran minimum kind of deal. It's like, yeah, we did you a favor in 2020. We brought you in, we paid you five and a half million dollars. You barely played for us this year. We're going to give you a veteran minimum contract. You're going to come in and it's going to be all good. Well, so, yeah, basically what you're telling him is, um, you have a year go, let's, let's get you healthy. Let's show at the league that you're, yeah. you know, Bruce Irvin again. And then you go out a year from right. now and try again. Yeah, yeah. So you don't go for the Hassan Reddick guys and you know pay you know eight ten million dollars for for a guy like that. You pay a guy like Bruce Irvin to come in and, and give you eighty percent of what Reddick's going to give you, and you know at least the pass rushing part of it, um, and uh, you roll with that because you're surrounding him with with really good players. If Jamal Adams comes back, you got Brooks. Um, you know you're going to be you're going to be okay in the middle of the field. And then uh, Shaquem Griffin's on a restricted free agent. Uh, tender. I don't, think I don't even know if they give him a tender no. or you give him, you know, the right of first refusal tender. And even that though is a $2 million deal. I, I just don't the know. The problem with that tender. I think that you don't, I think you don't tender it. him Yeah, and you let him hit free agency. And if you can, you can sign him for a veteran minimum deal, a, a, a deal that's commensurate with his play, which is he's a special teams guy and a guy like that on a roster is going to make a veteran minimum. Yeah. And so, and, and, and yeah, the, if I'm him and the Seahawks give him that right of first refusal tender, I run as fast as I can to Seahawks headquarters to sign that. Cause that guarantees you're making 2 million. Yes. And he'll never see a $2 million contract. Um, and I agree. I, I mean, I love the guy, but he's not a, you know, he's not going to play in the NFL. He's just not, he's too undersized and he gets washed out on stuff and he's not assignment. You know, something's going on there where he's not, uh, picking up the playbook or whatever, but he's a great special teams guy. He's good a character fantastic guy. Good, guy. you know, potentially a great leader of, of men, um, at, at some point in his life. And it's good to have those guys on the, on the team. Yeah. You just have to do it in the right way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, out there in free agency. So let's just say if we, if we, um, in order for the Seahawks to move on from a guy like Bobby Wagner and, and say there was a team out there that willing to give the Seattle Seahawks a second round pick this year and a fourth or fifth next year, um, you'd take that deal. Um, and you're, you're saving the cap and, uh, you've, you've got some draft capital. Uh, what do you look at in free agency to to help your team? There's there's a couple options out there. There are some. that you could spend uh, considerably less money and still have really decent linebacker production because most linebackers in the NFL are paid one third the price that Bobby Wagner is getting at seventeen million. 
you get a guy at like four or five million dollars at middle linebacker, that's a really pretty solid linebacker in the NFL. So yeah, he's not, um, not a, a multi-year all pro um, hall of right. fame level talent though. So I mean, yes. you, you, it, this is a, but you have Brooks as well. So Brooks could take over for you in the middle if you needed to. Yeah. And you could, you could find somebody out there at, at, on the strong side or the weak side. Yeah. And there, there's plenty of, of guys out there. Um, let's say they do for just for financial reasons, they have to, um, to make that move. And, um, get get the draft capital and the. Um, would Bobby and Wright go at the same time? Gosh, that God, would that would be, be so hard. That would and it would be a hard adjustment for the team. Yeah, there's a lot on of, the field. That's all that leadership and talent. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm confident in Brooks. I think that eventually he's going to be. Oh, know, he was really a good. Premier guy, game. right? But yeah. it's going to take him. He's all of a sudden going to be thrust into a role that he's unfamiliar with. So well, yeah, cause he now, um, now he needs to be the star linebacker. Um, there's a, there's so what do you think of guys like, uh, Jalon Brown or Avery Williamson or Eric Wilson out of Minnesota or something like that. I was thinking guys that have played consistently in the past have, have given their teams a, a nice percentage of, of their snaps, mm-hmm. um, that are fairly reasonable, in projected contract numbers is kind of what I'm looking at. So I, I can't say bring in Levante David. Um, oh yeah, man, that would be a dream, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be awesome. That would, that would set you up at, at, at the linebacker spot with Brooks and, and David yeah. for years to come. That um, would be amazing. Well, Le- so here's the funny, like non-connection between um, there. When the Seahawks drafted Bobby Wagner, I was doing um, my shadow draft. That's right. Where you go through when, when the when the Seahawks make a pick, um, I pick a player at that spot. So it's kind of gives gives like an idea of how the how the draft would have fallen if I had I been in charge. And the player I picked at that spot when the Seahawks picked Bobby Wagner was Gavonte David. Yeah. And I'll you know obviously the Seahawks picked the right guy, but I wasn't far off because David has been a phenomenal player his entire Who was career. the guy that ended up going to New England in that same draft? Hightower? Mm-hmm. I think I was a Hightower guy. I didn't even know Bobby Wagner existed, I don't think. I, and if I did, he was kind of a peripheral guy. And when they drafted him, I was like, who's Bobby Wagner? And you gotta go to your draft books and look them all up. And, and you're stuff. like, Utah State. They drafted yeah, exactly. from Utah State. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. I so I was just looking that. at Le- <laughs> I was just looking at Levante David, um, his his contract. And his current contract paid him ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. All of it was guaranteed. He's a free agent. But he gave the Buccaneers ninety nine point three percent of the snaps at thirty one years old. That's that's really good, consistent production. Every, every snap you're out there, um, he you know if you if you traded Bobby and got the the numbers off the books, you you could replace him with a, with a guy like that. But would you, or would you use that money to upgrade your offensive line? I think and, you'd have and you'd defensive use it because why why would you trade your your Hall right. of Fame I, level guy for a right. Pro Bowl? You know you know very good. Um, Yes. Uh, very good player who's just not quite him. Um, if the money's the same, right? So I just bring that up because I'm like, oh, he's, su- he's such mm-hmm. a good player and, and, and someone that we really like. Um, but now you, you've got to look down the list, right? You got to go find um, someone else. And I think right. that you could, you know, I think you could go through and find Eric Wilson from the Vikings. I think he's 27. He's kind of an off the ball guy. He would be kind of a KJ Wright replacement. Mm hmm. 
he'd be a good one. He'd be excellent too. He made out 122 tackles in 2020, three sacks, three interceptions, nine quarterback hits, yeah. eight pass defenses. I mean, he's really good. Like KJ Wright's really good pass coverage. This is this would be a guy that's similar in pass coverage that KJ Wright is. And KJ Wright, I think, ranked eighth in the NFL out of all linebackers in in pass coverage. Um, I'm not sure exactly where Eric Wilson is, but I do believe that he's highly thought of in that respect. And he played like 95% of the snaps for them too. So um, injury concerns are are not uh, there. And you got a guy that can come in and you're probably going to end up having to pay a guy like that in a depressed market. If he hangs around um, maybe three or $4 million. Yeah. Um, And so that, that's kind of be where I'd look. Um, The other thing that you could do is if you really want to um, go through and be like, okay, how do we get, how do we do what, what Matt Staten said and really change the makeup of, of where the money on defense is being spent um, is you yes. could go out and find yep. um, Ruben Foster who did not play last year and get him for next to nothing, but has all the talent in the world um, and hope that, you know, a reclamation project, um, mm-hmm. you know, let him rec- uh, reclaim his, you know, his value and, and, and that kind of stuff. And um, there are. Yeah. I mean, he was a, you know, the 49ers picked him the first round. I think he was a 49er at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, God, where did he play Keith? It was like uh, Auburn or something like that. Anyway, I loved him in the draft. Um, he was a, he Alabama. was a great Alabama. He was a great, um, great player mm-hmm. you know and uh i don't know how he was injured last year um but he would be a guy you know if he didn't play last year if he was injured he's a free agent this year there's a guy that you know somebody's gonna have to take a chance on um and would be available later on in, in free agency and we're gonna need guys like that to fill out the roster this year um and if especially if uh, kj comes back or uh uh, Bobby's Bobby's back and you've got one more year with the gang and you've got Jordan Brooks on the other side, you're really just looking, you know, for a filler piece. Now, if KJ Wright leaves, like maybe some of us are anticipating, you're going to need a player that can actually step on the field and play. So I'm not exactly sure if you, you trust a guy that didn't play last year with that job, but he'd certainly be a guy that you would consider, especially if you're happy with the production prior to this last year. Well, and if, but if you have a guy like um, Bruce Irvin re-signed and he plays that strong side linebacker, because um, that's really what you're looking at. And that's part one of the other thing that's, that's I think is going to work against KJ Wright is that his move from weak side to strong side, um, which actually revitalized mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. production, um, moved him from a position into a position that is less valuable um, and, and has, has a lesser market. And so, uh, well, I mean, he probably considers himself diverse. I mean, he can play either side. And if you're in a 3-4 system, you can play both sides. True. Uh, in in Seattle's defense, though, he mm-hmm. moved into a position that's less valuable. And he's not d- displacing Brooks out of the weak side spot. Man, do you think that New York, the New York Jets wouldn't want to have a guy like K.J. Wright? Oh, they'd love a guy like K.J. Wright. I think he's going to end up. With their new head coach. I think they're, he's going to. That's a, that's a spot where he could end up, especially if he, you know, when he recognizes the market isn't what it is, and then they've got all that cap money. He's like, well, hey, they've got the in. market. I mean, New York Jets are the market. Yep. 
<laughs> them in them in Jacksonville. Um, right. But yeah, so they, they've got all that money, and he can be like, "Hey, I know like the market is. I'm going to make three, but you guys have the money. Pay me four and a half, and I will come be the leader." No, Zeke's sh- Keith. He's going to make more than four and a half. I don't I care. Don't, Somebody will generate money somewhere. I don't to think pay so. KJ Wright. I just don't think yeah. linebackers are, are going to get that this year. I think I think even Seattle would sign him up for five, if not six. I don't think linebackers are going to In fact, I guarantee they offer him a contract that's at least five or six. I don't know. A one year, on a one-year deal just before look he at, heads out the door. If you look at the contracts of all of the um, free agents that are coming in, there are... Six players out of all of the linebackers that made more than five million dollars. Mm-hmm. That's it. Exactly. Only that's why Kate. That's six. why. That's why Bobby Wagner is so out of whack. You know, there's just there's just not there's no reason. Um, there's no market push to to pay him that much. Mm-hmm. You know, money. So anywho, to we'll we'll find out. Yep. Let's talk about safeties. Um, okay. Jamal Adams is the real big one here. Uh, he's not uh, up for a contract uh, this year, but he is playing on a one-year deal that's completely unguaranteed at $9.86 million. He's, you know, the team, we, we acquired him for two first-rounders and a third and, and uh, McDougald. Uh, so clearly the intent was to, to try to keep him long-term. I think the team intends to try to keep him long-term. But something's got to give. We've talked about this over and over. Something's got to give. Um, there's a pile of money there. Um, the team needs money. So to me, there's two choices. You know, you either extend, uh, Adams and either keep his cap hit similar or slightly lower this year, um, and keep him in the fold for, for all time going forward. Or you figure out what you can get for Jamal Adams, because you do two things by releasing Jamal Adams. You hurt your team a little bit uh, uh, defensively, a lot. but you gain uh, $10 million in cap savings and you gain back draft capital. So you gain probably a first round pick and maybe a third or a first, a first and a fifth or a first and a second next year, whatever it is. So you've gained some draft capital. You literally changed the entire dynamic of the draft because now you've given John Snyder a first round pick. Let's just say it's a mid 15th overall pick john schneider could turn a 15th overall pick into like 11 picks you know we currently have four we've seen that he could do that in in the, in the past and, and you so won't, you won't get a player as good as jamal adams no you will not get a player as good as jamal adams but you can get a player that's completely decent good pro bowl level replacement level player um at strong safety to play uh, in place of Jamal Adams for about $5 million, six, six, $7 million, let's just say. But you could do that on a one-year deal or a two-year deal. You could create some bonus money there where your cap hit in the first year was 3 or $4 million. That's not probably possible with, with Adams. So what I'm saying is if you're listening to Rob Staten and you're wanting to try to shift some dollars away from safety and linebacker, this is how you try to begin to do it. Cause if you do extend Adams, you are literally taking, you know, let's just say you want 17 or 18. I mean, you're looking at a $70 million contract, a four or five year deal with 35, 40 million of that guaranteed for a safety. 
And um, I, there's no moving around. There's no moving funds from safety to, to the offensive line if you're going to commit that deal. So um, I, it's just something to think about. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying um, there's some money there. What are they going to do? About it. Um, because the thing is that he's not a, he's a strong side linebacker, Keith. He's, he's not a safety. He's a strong side linebacker. He's a safety. Yeah. He's not a so safety. he lines up in the defense, though, as a strong side linebacker, 55 or whatever that's, percentage that's just, of the that's, snaps. That's where he's standing. That's not where his, what his responsibility is. Yeah, but are. that's his skill set, too. Not he's not a guy. safety. He can't cover. He's not a very good cover guy. He, he's got a 45 grade from pro football focus and coverage. We've seen it with our own eyes. I'm not just saying pro football focus grade. You know that he's not that good in coverage. And Cam wasn't uh, good he in coverage. Blitzes, he, they blitz him like 25% of the, the time he's on the field, it seems like. So from, for me, that guy is a strong side linebacker. He plays, the, he plays up close to the line of scrimmage on third downs and he rushes the passer. He plays in coverage and he drops back and, and defends the run in on first and second down. I mean, he's, he, it, anyway, I just think that if like, like going forward in order to have Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs on the field at the same time with Amadi in the slot and you want to play Blair, you're going to have to align Adams properly. And I think that, uh, it's easier to align Adams as a strong side linebacker and have Blair come in and be a strong safety than it is the other way around. So other than the fact that Adams blitzes more because he's better at it, all that description that you said about where he lines up and what he does, what's the difference between Because in coverage he sucks. What's the difference well, between him and Cam Chancellor? Cam Chancellor was not a good cover safety. Yeah, he wasn't good dropping back. He wasn't good backpedaling, but man, he could come up and hit you. And that's Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is a smaller, um, slightly faster Cam Chancellor who's better at at pass rushing and just, well, he's smaller. He's not going to kill people. Well, Um, he's definitely more instinctive overall. I mean, there's no question. I understand the talent. I'm just questioning the commitment and i'm just saying dollar commitment in this defense okay this is another this is we're going beyond now this is yeah in this defense he makes perfect sense okay let's assume let's assume that jamal adams either plays out his contract or and you know and and we have team control next year too they can franchise him Mm -hmm. so let's just say he's here quandary Diggs has got some money available all unguaranteed, six point one five million. They might adjust that a little bit. I don't think that they're going to want to ship Quandre Diggs out unless they happen to draft a free safety in in the draft or really the, high or up. If, and if they can sign one that they think is comparable, and exactly, cheaper. exactly, because the the market is going to be depressed. Mm-hmm. So Quandre Diggs after free agency, and if they sign somebody, dude, he's gone. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Leno Hill, unrestricted free agent. I, he's not going to come back. He's just been so injured. I feel bad for the kid, but um, when he was on the field too, he was he was okay. He, but he was better than his. He's reputation. not a, worth a roster spot right now. He was better than his reputation. For some reason, Seahawks fans hate him. Uh, hate what him you would pay reasons. Hill to come back, you could pay somebody else that will actually play games and not get hurt. Um, Demarius Randall's an interesting guy 
he didn't really have a chance to show uh, the Seahawks what he was all about. But this is a guy that Mike Mayock had as the best free safety in the 2015 draft. He's 28 years old. He was the best cover corner safety in that draft at 5'11", 196, ran a 4'4", 640 in six seasons prior to Seattle. He had 14 interceptions, 47 pass defenses, and 56 starts. That's really solid production. Um, and he went to Green Bay with the number 30 overall pick in 2015, and then he just struggled. Uh, they shifted him. They, they wanted him to play corner, so he played corner for a couple of years in Green Bay. Uh, he was kind of a man without position then running around a couple different places. He played strong safety. He played free safety. Um, so he's kind of a hybrid kind of a guy, like a Bradley McDougal. Um, he might be an interesting guy to call back on a, on a veteran minimum number just to fill a spot. That's a good quality guy that's diverse. He can play slot for you. He can play some some uh, corner in a pinch and both safety spots. So I would I would think about a guy like that. Uh, sorry for talking too much on Demarius Randall. Uh, Ugu Amadi uh, clearly showed that he's a really nice, solid slot guy. Um, Marquise Blair, one of the most intriguing guys on the roster that, that remains. He's got two years left. They have him as a free safety. He's built like a strong safety. Um, he hits like a strong safety. Um, and now he's a guy possibly without a position. Um, and so what do you do with Marquise Blair? He's, he's, he's cheap. He's in his second year. You got him high in the draft. He's got some ability. He, he went out with an ACL. Um, where does he fit with Adams and Diggs and Amadi? And, um, what do you do? I think he fits right where he fit last year um, as the starting nickel and uh, give him an, you know, an opportunity to, to beat out Amadi for that. It's a different, he's a different style player. He, he's totally a different style. Um, Cause he's like, is it matchup dependent? Like possibly game dependent? Um, you think so, but the team seems to like rules. And they want to keep where they do the same thing all the time on defense. So they don't like to make a lot of those switches. Um, so there's that. Um, but it could be. I, I just think you you have you have Blair between Blair and Amadi. You've got your slot. Guys. And, and Ryan Neal, who's got corner experience. He's a exclusive rights free agent. He's he's he'll he's probably going to be back. He will be back. It's, that's you can. Um, that's going to be a guarantee. Um, and but he's a similar kind of guy as Marquis Blair. Marquis Blair is just more instinctive, a little bit more of a solid hitter. Uh, but but Ryan Neal's got some good coverage ability and good. He's, he's got a, a good physical presence. He's a guy who is a he did a great job filling in at strong safety when everyone else got hurt, and I think that's his role is to be a backup safety. Um, whereas you know Blair's a guy that has starter potential. Um. And so I think for next year, you bring him back with the idea that he's going to be the third safety. You're going to have, um, you know, the same two guys in, you know, on the back end, and then you're going to bring in Blair in the nickel, and you're going to play three safeties, which is going to allow Jamal Adams to do whatever the heck uh, the team wants him to do, and then still have um, two safeties on the back end. And uh, it will work. It'll work just like we saw it work for about a game. And then he got hurt. Um, 
So let's talk about the the uh, the market for safeties out there and free agency really quick in case something happens in case Quandary Diggs, you know, we we end up trading Diggs or uh, Adams or There's who this, knows, right? There is so much talent, or or they hear that Marquise Blair is is struggling a little bit with recovery, or who knows what happens. The top end of the of the safety market, Keith, it's is crazy. absurd, right? Yeah, Justin Simmons. He's probably going to get like a $16.5 million deal. Anthony Harris, Minnesota, he's probably going to get a $14 million deal. Marcus, uh, Marcus Williams, well, somebody's going to get paid. I mean, these guys are worth it. These, in a, I'm just saying in a normal market. In a normal, uh, in a normal market. Marcus Williams, that. Marcus May, he's, you know, that's probably a kid that's going to get paid because uh, he's with the New York Jets. Uh, John Johnson from the uh, Rams. You know, he had an excellent year this year as a free safety. He's going to, you know, he's earned a contract that's in the, you know, 12 to $14 million range. Xavier Woods out of Dallas, you know, he's more of a, like a $7 million guy. Uh, Malik Hooker. So if you got, say uh, you moved on from Woods, a guy like uh, uh, Woods or Hooker would be excellent replacement guys that, that you could get out there. Oh, yeah. Um you know, especially like a Malik Hooker. He's kind of a miscast a little bit right now in like a two high safety system. He's really a one uh, one high uh, safety. Got an excellent speed, sideline and sideline. Um, he'd be a great fit in Seattle. Um, Keanu Neal, this, you know, with this uh, strong, strong safety. Um, might be a guy that they would bring in if they moved on from Adams. Um, they got some draft capital, like they, they cap relief. Uh, you could you could get a guy like Neil to come in and, and hold down the fort for you. And he plays a lot and, and consistent um, mm -hmm. without all the injuries. Um, and it's, he's probably looking, he's probably like a $5 million kind of a guy. Uh, Earl Thomas, I'm just going to say it. Earl Thomas is out there uh, 32 years old. Um, he's had some mental health issues, uh, but he can still play football and maybe a, a place like Seattle that's familiar, that's home would and Pete Carroll. And I know they, <laughs> I know the way that it ended. Right. But, um, maybe a guy like that comes back and rehabs a little bit, both on the field and off. And you could get him on a one year deal, like one year, $3 million plus some incentives to come in and play for you. If, if, if Diggs were to leave, um, a guy like that, uh, just saying, um, Bradley McDougal is out there again. Um, to Sean Gibson, you know, is another guy that can, it's kind of a Bradley McDougald kind of a guy, a uh, hybrid, uh, mm -hmm. free safety, strong safety guy. Rashawn Jenkins um, from the Chargers, I really like um, as in that hybrid role. He's a guy that I would target actually in, in free agency. He would be one of my, my guys I would hunt um, uh, if, if either Diggs or Adams was gone because um, he's 27 years old. He's 6'1", 214, ran a 4'5", 40 at that size. And um, he ran a 4'19", short shuttle. I mean, this is a guy that can move around the football field for you. And he played like 89% of the snaps for the Chargers. And a guy like that that's that's up and coming. Chargers may not be able to afford him. Um, you know, they need to pay a lot of guys. So uh, we'll see. Did you mention Marcus Williams from the Saints? Yeah, yeah, Marcus Williams. You ran through um, so many names. I, I, I sorry. Mean, I, 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 I didn't know if I caught that one or not. But you know, guy who's twenty five and yeah, would yeah. be. He's a guy that 
absolutely. If you get into a depressed market, you could get a guy like that. He would never hit the open market in a normal year. Um, there's no way they would, I agree. They would, they would do what they needed to lock him up. He would would set you up in a single high say Pete Carroll could run the defense that he wanted to run. Well, he ran with uh, Earl Thomas. Yeah. And, and so basically they would, he would be a perfect fit in Seattle, but with, with him, um, like I said, he would never hit free agency, but because the saints are way over the cap, way over the cap, they can't afford anyone. In fact, they can't no. afford the people they have under contract. They're going to well. Be he's going to be. He's going to be. You know, typically he would be one of those fourteen million dollar guys. Mm-hmm. But he's you not. Know, that would get paid. But there's so many different but, safeties but and no money. The market's going to dry up. I mean, Denver doesn't have that kind of money. Minnesota doesn't have the money. Jets have a little bit of money. The the Rams don't have any money to pay John Johnson. Dallas is is going to be capped out. Indy's going to be you know capped out a little bit. Um, and that's just. For safeties, I mean, we're talking offensive linemen, defensive linemen, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs. The entire market is going to be flooded with with players that have been used to earning, you mm-hmm. know, setting market, you know, value with with their contracts, and it's not going to happen this year. Okay, so we have one more position, um, and that would be cornerback. And this is one of the few positions where I think no matter what the Seahawks will, it's going to look a lot different. It's going to, yeah, because both starters, uh, at least beginning of the year starters are unrestricted free agents. Uh, both Quentin Dunbar and um, Quill Griffin. One of them's not coming back. Um, at least. It, or both. Um, because like I said, they're, they're unrestricted and the team just doesn't have the money to, you know, pay both of them. Uh, I know most fans would be like, well, it's got to be Dunbar that leaves because he was terrible. Well, he was also hurt. Um, his knee really bothered him, and eventually he ended up surgery and, and all of that. Yeah, I, so, I actually think that Dunbar is the more likely guy to come back. Although, because I think I will say, for nothing. Exactly. I will say, though, that Shaquille Griffin may be one of the guys out there that has his market depressed a little bit. Yeah. Because um, I know what he wants. And I know uh, his production, and I, and I know the market, and so he's got three factors working against him. And um, now he's he's young, mm-hmm. he's been a quality guy, but he's been injured, and he wants more money. And I think he's worth what he, based on where he slots in the cornerback market overall. And um, I think he's a middle tier cornerback who wants to be paid like a top tier guy. And so he's going to sit around for a while in free agency, I think. And eventually I think he may end up coming back to Seattle on a one year deal, like a five. He's never, he hasn't made any money yet. Right. So he's, he's been playing on really minimal contracts, right? Right. And so uh, if somebody, if like Seattle throws $5 million at him, he may, after waiting on the market for three or four weeks, he may crawl back. Yeah. And pay on a one year deal. The other thing is if you look at what happened with him, uh, the college that he picked, um, going to, yes. uh, and, and all of that, he did that because he, they, it was central Florida. I will play for you. If you also offer a scholarship to my brother. Um, yes. And it might be, Hey, come back for this smaller deal. And we'll offer your brother um, at least a contract. 
you know, a... It's going to be a minimum, but it's going to be... A, a minimum contract to come play special teams again. Um, and it might be another a, a package deal for another year. And he is a type, he is the guy who will be open to that because that's where his loyalty is. Do you think that family. there would be a team, in a, uh, and I don't have the corner... I, well, I do have kind of the corner market. So you've got... Um, there's a few guys out there, but he is, you know, probably going to be one of the top... I don't know. Patrick, Four or five Patrick guys Peterson out there. Patrick is going to be the top guy. Richard Sherman's out there. Uh, DJ Hayden's out there. William AJ, Jackson the third is, is going to be right up there, AJ too. AJ Bouillet's out there. Yeah, um, I like him, actually. You know, Jason McCourty is um, I was going to talk to you about um, AJ Bouillet uh, because he's an interesting case, actually. He's a guy that went undrafted in 2013. He's played with the Texans. Jacksonville and Dallas in career 93 games. He's got 350 tackles, 66 packs, pass defenses, one sack, one forced fumble, 14 interceptions and a, a TD. He was injured last year a little bit. And then he ended up having a P, PED suspension for six games and the, um, he was released. And, um, you know, and somebody picked him up just for the end of the season or whatever, but, Here's a guy that's six foot, 192. Here's a chance to buy low on a player that actually can give you some really decent return. Mm -hmm. So you could get him on like a one year, $3 million deal, like a prove it deal. Guy comes in, rehabs. He's going to be, he, he served four of the games um, uh, on the suspension out of six. So he's got two games suspended at the top of the year. But after that, you, you might have a gem that could come in and play um, as your second corner. Um, you know, opposite read. Yeah, and be great. Um, good, very good player. Um, and you're right. The other, the other guy is Michael Davis. I like in that second tier market. Mm -hmm. Um, started the last couple couple years after being undrafted, and has in in the last two years 103 tackles and five interceptions, and uh, he could be um, available. 26 years old from the Chargers. Um, yeah, I like it. I mean, he's. He's a good, he's a good one. He's 6'2", 198, by the way. Yeah. And so, you know, another player who's going to be available um, for a lot less money than people would have thought uh, because of how the um, the playoffs ended for him would be Kevin King. Uh, yeah. Former, well, he's a, he'd be the natural one, right? Yep. Former. I mean, we talked about him so much. Former Husky. Um, went to the Packers, has been... So we, okay. we, we, we chose got, Malik McDowell instead of Kevin King, like going into the draft, Kevin King no, was going to be year. the pick. Wasn't that? that, was wasn't wrong that the year? Year. It, was oh, the same, okay. it was the same year that we got uh Shaq Griffin. So it was yes. the year before because everyone was like, Oh my God, I can't believe we didn't take King. But then they got Shaq Griffin. Um, uh, and turned two, out to be the better player two rounds later. And he was the better player. Um, right. But King, King will be out there. He'll be available. He'll, He's he's not going to cost much. Um, after the thing getting... about Kevin King, dude, is remember he was like completely sparked up. Like he ran a four four three forty, and um, yeah. But where was you that? Know, did you did you watch the playoff six, game three. when he got scorched for three well, touchdowns? Oh, um, totally. Yeah. No, he looked like he was turned around, couldn't play a lick. I think um, he ranked last in the NFL in zone coverage in twenty twenty. Um, since entering the league, he's the worst tackler rated. Uh, by pro football focus in the league. So here's a guy that can't cover and can't tackle, <laughs> but 
somehow or another, he put together some really decent game film at, at the University of Washington. Oh, yeah. Um, and he... and what's, where's that player? Can a guy like Pete Carroll and whoever's coaching their secondary, I can't remember his name, sorry. Um, can they unlock anything with this guy? Can you throw a, 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 a veteran minimum or, or slightly over veteran minimum to get him to come into Seattle and maybe start out as a third corner and work himself back? Mm-hmm. Can I mean, you? Go out I mean, there. is there anything there? Or would you rather spend a little bit more money and get a, a Rasul Douglas, who's can, essentially the same player? You know, coming out of college, they were the same. Uh, Rasul Douglas, um, you know, at Carolina, uh, drafted by the Eagles, had a, has 180 tackles, five interceptions. Um, he's okay. You know, he's, 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 he'd be a decent guy. He's no worse than, say, um, um, who we currently have, you know, in, in Griffin. Uh, but he's bigger. He's, he's, he can take away more uh, of the field for you because he's um, long. 6229 um and and Griffin is going to give some of those contested balls up and stuff. Um Akela Weatherspoon's out there. Um mm-hmm. that's another one. He's he was in San Francisco. I'm bringing these guys up. These last three guys we've talked about particularly Kevin King, Russell Douglas and Akela Weatherspoon. Those were three guys we highlighted in the draft that Wither- we really wanted Seattle to draft. Witherspoon was Tedrick Thompson's just, teammate at Colorado. He well, he and he was he came along really slowly um, with the 49ers. He looked like he might have been a draft bust, um, and then really came on this last year and played um, significantly better. Basically, he stepped in um, and started getting you know all the reps with, with Richard Richard Sherman going out, and then really stepped up to the level that we all kind of thought he would be in the draft process, and finally showed it. Um, He's a guy that if you could get him, I would, um, I'd go get him. And he's 26 years old. Yeah, he's, he's 6'3", 195. He played with Richard Sherman. He's got 33-inch arms. He's the, he's, he mm-hmm. is a perfect Seattle corner size, talent. He knows, you know, they play similar, um, like the way they, they do stuff down there as far as their defense. Um, he's been playing with, with, with Sherman, so he knows, you know, the technique and all of that. He would be a great fit to slide in. Um, to the role in up here in Seattle, and the the guy that you didn't mention um, that could come back would be Richard Sherman, um, because what he, do you do, what do you do about the injuries that are starting to creep up? Um, still a great player, and I'm not going to discount that, but he wants to get paid. Still, I mean, oh, he's not. The, I don't think he's going to get paid because of, uh, of of the injuries. He hasn't played much in the last two years, and and um, somebody would throw it. Eight million dollars, Adam. Who, who has who has the money? New York, Jacksonville. So or, the uh, thing is, normally in a normally Jacksonville in a normal yeah, year, yeah, the Jaguars in a normal year, absolutely, someone's going to throw eight nine million at him, um, especially a team that's starting over like the Jets, because you bring in a veteran, a leader, yes, exactly, and Sella is there, um, and so you bring in someone, and and I think that that would be fine, but this year. Do you do that, or do you go get Patrick Peterson, who's yeah? A I think years Patrick Peterson and, is and is way been, overrated right now. I, I, I think well, Richard Sherman's way better. Oh, he's always been way better. Um, but I'm just saying, if you're building a roster, you get a guy that's two years younger and doesn't have. If you're building the New York roster and you're Robert uh, Sala, 
you bring in a KJ Wright and a Richard Sherman and your defense is set. Not I'm not talking set as far as uh quality overall. I'm talking set as far as leadership. leadership. The guy is the kind of the kind of guys that he wants to build yeah. around and set his defense up with. Those those guys would be my uh, on my short list for sure. Richard Sherman would be a great obviously a great fit in Seattle and it would bring some of that mojo back and it would be fun and to see him and Adams together on the field just creating this angst and like uh energy oh, yeah, would be, be would be fun. I mean, I would just I would just crack up. Um couple, uh, there's one other guy I would uh, really wanted to talk about would be um Chidobi Abuzi um from Dallas. Um we talked about him in the draft as well. All these guys kind of went into the draft together um at, at the same time. Uh, Griffin, uh, Douglas King, Witherspoon—they all came out. You know, Tedrick Thompson—they're all part of the same deal. Um, six foot two hundred two, uh, clocked. And here's a speed guy, clocked at twenty two point eight one miles an hour. That's, I think, about the same as DK Metcalf. Um, and he's he's good. You know, average, outside press corner as well as a zone guy. Um, so he's diversified. He'd be a perfect guy to come in and if we didn't get um, Griffin back, he'd be a guy that could step in and, and do that. And that's what kind of we're talking about is if if those guys leave, if they don't, I mean, if we get Griffin back, if Dunbar comes back and we have Trey Flowers and, and DJ Reed, really you're only looking to fill the Nico Thorpe uh, role or the Jason uh, Stanley or Lynn, Lyndon Stevens. Um, on the roster. And so it's, you know, it's not too bad, but if we lose both of our starting guys, <coughs> uh, we may be looking and, uh, it might come in the draft. It could come in free agency. So we'll see. Yeah. I like Anybody else on your list? I, I like that one. Um, yeah. I didn't bring up a woozy cause I couldn't remember how to say his first name. Um, <laughs> Chidobi. <laughs> um, the other one, where'd he go? Um, Mike Hilton, if you need a slot corner, Mike Hilton's, I think, one of my favorite players. In Mikhail the Roby class. Coleman. Yeah. He's a slot player. Yeah. 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 He had an okay year. I Last year he entered free agency. We were kind of all about that. And um, I think the, the, the Rams let him go. And he moved on and had an okay year, okay where, year. where he went. Yeah. He went to the Eagles. And, and he just wasn't, <laughs> he didn't quite. The entire up. team was awful. Yeah. Um, he didn't quite live up to what we expected from him, but no one on that team did. That team was just bad. And so, so I know we're running slightly long, but I wanted to expand for half a second, maybe longer, um, on the Michael Davis thing because I really do believe that Seattle's going to be all over this guy. Um, again, six two, one ninety eight, twenty six years old. Started the last couple of years with the Chargers. He's fantastic. They placed a second round tender on him last year. So he played on a $3.29 million contract last year. So they do think highly of him, but they have, and they do have 28 or they have $23.8 million in cap space. The chargers do right now, Mm -hmm. but look at the list of players that they need to pay. They need to pay Melvin Ingram or let him go. And he's going to make 15 or 16, at least in a normal year. They need to pay Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry's going to get the top tight end dollars in the market right now. And he should get that. And he's probably going to be a 10.5 million guy, right? Um, Mike Pouncey, 
the guy you mentioned last week as a center that could could possibly be out there and he could possibly be out there. They may decide to move on, but if they want to resign him, he's going to be like a $7 million guy. Um, Denzel Perryman, their linebacker, 28 years old, one of the best, you know, young and up and coming linebackers out there. He's going to make probably six Isaac Rochelle defensive end. He's a rotation guy, but he's still going to make, um, uh, he's he, last year he played on a $825,000 contract this year. He's probably going to make 4 million, something like that. Um, and, uh, Rashawn Jenkins safety 27. He made 765 grand last year. He's, he's looking at uh, making five, 6 million, um, this year. Uh, he was the strong safety starter in place of Derwin James the last year and a half Derwin James getting hurt and played really well. Um, Sam Tavey, a guy that was originally undrafted played on a six hundred and forty thousand dollar contract last year as their starting left tackle played like 94 percent of the snaps <laughs> he's going to get paid as a, as a left tackle now like 10 million dollars a year um so they've got a lot of people to pay and then there's michael davis you know so they need to decide are they going to keep investing in their in their corner guy or they got all these other guys to pay something's got to give with them too and so michael davis might be a guy that's that becomes available um, you know, he's an unrestricted guy right now, so he is available, but, uh, they may elect to, to resign him if they don't. I think Seattle's all over that, especially if we lose Griffin. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Um, over the cap values him at, uh, you know, six and a half million, which, I mean, that's yeah. a, um, well, if Griffin ends up, you know, I don't know what the market's going to be. It's hard to predict if Griffin ends up signing, you know, in the first two, two days of free agency. And ends up getting, you know, $9 million. Good for him. Yeah, have fun. But, uh, but if he does, we're going to need somebody else. And, and a guy like Michael Davis come in and get a $6 million deal would be perfectly fine for me. Yep. And a guy that I think is a better player. Well, I mean, you just, you kind of have to look at, at this market. I know, like, you're like, oh, who's going to make about 10? And I'm like, in a normal year. This is yes, a normal year. Right, there is right. way less money to pay more players. Right, but there are a certain there are a certain group of players, and we don't know who those players. I mean, we know, but there's there's going to be a cliff at some point. We don't know who's going to be above the cliff and who's going to be below. He could be. I mean, you know, there are some folks out there that have him as the as the second or third best corner on the market. I don't see it, but other people do, and um, if he is he's likely to get paid because corners do get paid at that top end market. So one of the teams with money to spend will end up spending it on him. That could happen. I'm, it, it might not, but if it does, Seattle's not going to do that. Seattle's not going to pay him. If, if a team ends up paying him, they're not going to try to match that deal because it's, it's just not worth it um, for him. But um, you know, and they will have to move on to a different, different direction or, you know, if he doesn't end up getting anything, it, chances increase significantly that he comes back and plays on a on a one year deal or I, or some and I just you think know, that heavily you, discounted deal. You look at you're right. There are going to be certain guys that are like, hey, we really need this guy. He's a superstar, um, and they'll get paid anyway. But that cliff is going to come really quick because there's not Absol- a lot. No, absolutely. There's, there's only four teams that have the money to really. Spend. Yeah, you're going to be looking. You know, your your um, tackle market. Your corner quarterbacks yeah. wide receiver a few wide receivers some edge rushers and some corners are going to and, and that safety group that we talked about 
are going to get some money and everything else is going to dry up. Yeah, it's going to dry up quick. And and so that cliff is going to come way faster than people think. And there's going to be good players that would normally get pretty lucrative contracts available when there's no money around the league to offer them. That's why I don't understand why the league would kill itself by not borrowing against the future a little bit, like they're asking teams to do. You know, essentially, they're asking teams to look into their 2022 caps and and take a little bit of money out of that cupboard. Um, I think the league should maybe do that as well. Now, I don't know what their financial situation is. I know they've lost some money uh, with COVID in 2020, but uh, more money, a lot more money is uh, just around the corner. They're just about ready to negotiate TB contracts. The league didn't lose money. They were less profitable, but they were still very profitable. Um, but they were less profitable. And so they had less revenue. So they have a, a lower cap because the cap is tied to revenue. Um, and, and But they didn't lose money. No team lost. Um, no team was in the red um, last year. I, that that um, needs to be said. Well, as far as the revenue sharing is concerned, correct. Uh, the individual... Uh, ticket sales were non-existent for most teams. And True, so they the, did individual teams did lose money. But when you add back in the, the revenue sharing, everybody, every made single money. team was in the black, all 32 teams. Nobody lost money last year. Are you speculating or do you know that for a fact? I know that for a fact. Because the revenue sharing um, amount that each team gets from the league, from the from the TV money, was more than any team's expenses, like total expenses for everything. Um, I read that from. So ticket sales, merchandise sales, concessions, all that stuff is just icing. It's icing for for teams. Yeah, and so that but their their total revenue went down, and that's why the salary cap's going down. Every team made money, but sometimes they make, you know. $70 million profit that last year they made 20, you know? And, and, I, mean? so and like, I do know for a fact that these, the, the basement, the basement starting level negotiation number for n- renewed media and TV contracts is double what the current contract was. Yeah. That's, that's, they're going, that's what they're, what they, that's the entry level. That's what they presented to Disney uh, as far as what the league wanted. They said, you know, the last one, the last deal that they signed was like 2011 yeah. And, you know, Disney said, said no, but somebody else is going to say yes. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so, I mean, it was 2011. It's been 10 years. They're like, it's going to be way more. Um, and so they came in, they started double. And Disney goes, I just, oh, I just want the DirecTV situation uh, and, and the NFL ticket to be separate. Uh, DirecTV does not need that exclusive contract. And it needs to be opened up also to streaming. And, and they need to. They need to update their uh, their offering yeah. overall. So, all right. So we've kind of put this all together. Um, another guy out there, uh, just real quick, is Sidney Jones with Jacksonville. Uh, familiar name to Seahawks fans. Uh, played at the University of Washington. He's got some injury history with Achilles and some hamstring type stuff. But um, he's got a pretty decent coverage grade, you know. And um, he's a second round pick uh, in 2017 from the Eagles. It and he's got four four seven speed, six foot one eighty four, but it never really just kind of fit completely. Likely end up not being re-signed with the Eagles having issues and changing all sorts of stuff. Um, here's a guy that you might be able to buy low on. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, another guy just to bring him. All right, 
So we've we've covered free agency. I mean, it's and, a good wow. good primer. I just realized how long we've been talking. I know. I'm sorry. I totally am. I you know I've purposely kept kept the uh, the clock off on this one too, and uh, look where we're at. Yeah, see, that's because, the thing is, I, I didn't have the clock up either, and all of a sudden I flip <laughs> over to it, and I'm like, oh, I knew we were running long, but I can edit it into Ouch. two shows, and we don't need to do next week. Um, so <laughs> you probably uh, could. <laughs> up, upcoming shows, I have the uh, the schedule in front of me. Um, we are going to uh, uh, to re, uh, shift again uh, for for three weeks. Uh, until free agency starts. So we're going to start the process of evaluating prospects for the NFL draft. And uh, we're going to start out with the quarterbacks and running backs next week, uh, wide receivers and tight ends, offensive line. And then uh, on March 23rd, we're going to uh, talk about some early returns in free agency. So anything that the Seahawks have done, anything out of the NFC West or, or throughout the league uh, that is a hot conversation, we'll have it on that show. That'll also be with a special guest from the Emerald City podcast, Dan Viennes. Uh, so you don't want to miss that show. And then we'll get back into the uh, the uh, the draft prospects, um, and then we'll kind of build all the way through to the draft. So stick with us. Uh, it's a great offseason. We're here every week. Uh, this is our 213th consecutive show, weekly show. That's a good, that's a good number. It is and good we're number. just going to keep building that. So we should get to around 250, 250 something by the, by the end of the year, which will be, uh, will be amazing. Be amazing. All right. Why don't you, uh, get us out of here? I think you'll probably be quicker than me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Um, follow me at, um, on Twitter at Myers NFL, call, follow Bill at NWC act. That's Northwest Seahawk. Follow the show at hot, uh, playbook. Um, the website is seahawksplaybook.com. You can find us there. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, everywhere. Um, and everywhere. subscribe. And don't forget, we're also on YouTube now. So if you really want to look at this ugly mug, talk for an hour and 40 minutes, you can do that as well. Ooh. But don't put it on automatic replay, though. Yeah, you don't want to do that. No. All right. Me. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, until next time. Until next time. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.